Hey everybody, this is Chris Mata, host of a podcast, A Mata of Opinion. On this show, we will be celebrating the best time of the year, football season. Welcome, and stay tuned for today's episode. Episode 82, so welcome back. We have my cousin Nate and fellow football fanatic. So we're going to be jumping into our first topic today. We're going to go into how do we fix the Cowboys. So go ahead, Nate, take it away. Chris, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, big fan of the show. So uh, I'm going to jump right into it here, though. Um, yeah, you know, uh, as a Cowboy fan for my entire life, this is a question that I ask myself pretty much once a year. Um, and I think for this year, um, it was a really hard question to ask because I feel like we have the talent to compete for championships. And at this point, you know, not even getting past the first round was uh, just really a gut punch that I was not prepared for. And so, but like, to me, the only explanation is, is, is changing the culture because the talent's there. And I think what that starts with is, is at the top is the leadership. Um, you know, right now the Cowboys are pretty much like, your your typical schoolyard bully they they dominate the weaker teams and they crush them but when it comes down to the bigger teams the stronger teams the 49ers you know the i guess the packers i didn't think the packers but i was i was thinking more along the lines of like the bills and the eagles like those those guys competing for championships like you you never know what you're going to get. And if they get hit first, they don't know how to respond. And so, and that's the thing. And that's why I feel like they're, they're schoolyard bully is because like, if we don't jump out to lead, then we, we don't know how to come back and, and win a game. And once things start going bad, they don't know how to bounce back. So to me, it's, it's, it's a culture thing. It's a confidence thing. It's, and if at this point it's been three years with McCarthy it's been eight years with Dak it's been you know seems like eternity with Jerry what and like the thing is is like only only like Jerry's gonna be there the Jones is gonna be there that's just how it is but um to me I've seen enough from like McCarthy um and Dak like one of those guys has to go because neither one of them right now is like is bringing the mentality to the the Dan Campbell mentality, oh, you know, like I love um, Dan Campbell right now. I and so like the 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 toughness, right? Like we need, and and I don't think that they're like uh uh Kyle Kyle Shanahan or like a uh, Mike McVay or like a McDaniel's or or like one of these more uh sophisticated offensive play callers, you know. Um, and so if you don't have that and you're not bringing the toughness um, to be able to bounce back, then I feel like you got to move in a different direction. And we're kind of locked in with Dak. We're locked in with Jerry. And so to me, like we can't go into another year with the same leadership. And and we are. And and that's what that's what really sucks. And that's what makes it really hard to get excited about this next year is that like you're rolling into it and I feel like I already know what the outcome is going to be. Like we're probably going to make the playoffs, but 
it, no one like, and that's the other thing is like, it makes the regular season inconsequential. Like it doesn't really matter. It's like you, you can go seven, 17 and 0 and we're not going to care. Because it only matters if you get far in the playoffs. No, so I'm feeling a lot of the same things here. And my thing was, regardless, if you were to, I don't know, keep Dak or if you were to cut Dak, because I know it's going to be a big cap hit. I think it's somewhere in like 60 million range. And people are saying like, okay, well, then where, where's the fall off going to be at? Because maybe you drop back down to being that eight and eight team and you don't even get, you know, like a top draft pick. And then even if you were to get a top draft pick, it's so few of these like first rounders are hitting at the quarterback position. I mean, you might be signing up for another eight years of just, you know, into the void. So maybe keeping Dak is your best option if you're looking at it like that. But at least I feel like you should be dipping your hand in the pot. I mean, if we're looking at the 49ers, how they found Brock Purdy was, hey, man, like Mr. Irrelevant, very last pick in the draft. Like, I mean, let's see what we got here. I mean, anything could happen at this point. Um, I know Jordan Love, when he was selected, he didn't like immediately step onto the field. It was, okay, let's let this Green Bay, you know, culture, like you were saying, surround him, let him like learn from some of these greats. And um, that might have came back to bite him just a tad bit in the end. But again, if you are sticking with Dak, I feel like that's probably the best that you can do for now, unless you're willing to jump into that void and say, okay, well, we got to fight our way out sometime. But um, yeah, and I think you, I, oh, sorry, just to, bounce off a point you made like the fact that um you like you you maybe draft a Brock Purdy I think that you should almost want to like draft a quarterback almost every year like just late in the round or like sign an undrafted I guess but like you should try and have somebody because look at what what's going on in Green Bay too like they draft these guys and they stash and they hold them and they don't need them but they they like they get to observe under a hall of fame quarterback. Right. And, and then, um, and then have a couple of years learning, being in the quarterback room with them, seeing kind of learning how they see the game. And, and like, if you have, normally if you have a hall of fame quarterback, you, you have a consistent offensive coordinator in place. You have a consistent system and you're, you got two years of this guy learning that absorbing that knowing that like okay once they come in i think that that's it's it's not that's why green bay's been so good at it in particular is because they kind of like they didn't just have really good quarterbacks they had like hall of fame quarterbacks uh back to back and then it's like that consistency yes they had some turnover with because of rogers because rogers like skin people fired but um but i do think that that makes sense though is like to like kind of even if you don't really need them right now, draft a guy maybe in the middle of the draft who has some potential. And like, if you're good, then they have like time to like learn your system from someone who's running it well. Like, I think that's, you know, you, you know, we need to just try to draft a Brock Kirk, like you said. Yeah, he's fine. Something. Okay. So I know we're stuck with McCarthy. They already stick. I mean, already announced that they're not really kicking him out the door. But I mean, hey, looking at all of the um, coaches that were out in the open, which one did you feel best would give you that kind of winning culture and aggressiveness in Dallas? So, I mean, I will say maybe I'm I'm being too much of a Dallas Cowboys fan with this, but I feel like uh, as a Cowboys, you know, especially with the team we have right now, we've got the talent. 
we're talented as anybody. Like we should be the top like franchise to be the coach of right now. Like maybe you could argue the Chargers because they got Herbert. But like I would still say that we have a team that's more ready to win right now and with a still a decent sized window. You know, it's not like we're gonna we're just only have a year or two. So so I would think that we'd have our pick. And if I could pick anybody, I would have wanted Jim Harbaugh. And I think Jim Harbaugh made a smart decision in going to L.A. Because I think that is, uh, you know, you want to go where there's going to be a, a franchise quarterback. And I do think that Herbert is definitely talented enough to be that. But I would have wanted Jim Harbaugh. I know the Cowboys really didn't have the open door. But looking at all of the teams that had their openings, I had four of them being like the top spots, like where coaches like I'm ready to like break down the front door. So, of course, we had the Chargers, we had the Falcons, we had the Seahawks, and I had the Cowboys in that top four, too. Of course, not in that exact order, but just as as a head coach, if you were just like, yeah, I'll pack my bags up, pack up my family and I'm there tomorrow. Those would have been the four franchises. I know the Falcons is a little iffy just because they didn't really have their franchise quarterback but I think they're just surrounded with plenty of talent to make things work there. So I think any coach worth his grain of salt would have been able to go in there, go ahead and select their QB or even, you know, pick up one of these free agents coming out and then go ahead and get something rolling. Cause what they do have is a very dominant run game. And I think that's where you can start your success. If you already have a great run game, it makes that much easier on a new quarterback coming in, trying to learn a system. So give me your number two. So if you couldn't have Jim, who would you have taken next? I think my number two would have been Vrabel. Um, I think he would have come in with the right, just that that mentality about changing the culture. You know, if you get knocked down, you're going to actually, like, get up and fight back kind of thing. I, I would have said that Vrabel, and I think that he did. There was a plenty of times that he won with less in Tennessee. I think the talent that we have compared to, like, what he was dealing with or working with out there is much higher. Whereas with McCarthy, you know, he's kind of always had like at least, you know, he had Rodgers and Dak's not a slouch. Like maybe Dak has like he has his words, but he's a good quarterback. And so it's like Rabel has had to win games with Will Levis. He's had to to win games with with Ryan Tannehill, which maybe Ryan Tannehill is like a little bit better, but he was making Ryan Tannehill look good. They were winning some games. I think that Vrabel would have been the next choice. Easily, okay. And I think he's very uh, a very comparable coach to Dan Campbell. More with the, uh, I'm going to win this game now instead of, oh, let me just kick some field goals and stay in the game, you know? I, I do like that approach to the game. And then uh, I do notice here, you had some notes. So as far as, adding players to the team or re-signing players like who's in and who's out like as far as this roster goes yeah so I think you know a big a big deal is just like who's who's even going to be like free agents you know this this next year and and we have we have quite a few so I think I'd like to re-sign uh um Dorrance Armstrong um Trent Siege Chuma Udoga and Tyler Biotish and most of those guys are just straight depth like it's just like not not because they stood out huge on on the field, but it's just like those are positions where it's like I think we need some depth. Otherwise, like I mean, with Tyron Smith, I know he's a free agent. 
I think unless he comes back on a team-friendly deal, like I wouldn't really want to re-sign him because I just feel like he's very injury-prone. He is older. Um, and he had, like, some of his injuries, like, one of them was, like, a bad and, like, the types of forces that he has to deal with as a left tackle in the NFL, like, I just don't think he's going to hold up. So it's like, I'm not counting on him, even though he's great when he's in, he's still good. I, I, I And he's been a, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame left tackle in my opinion. Like, he's amazing. But, um, but I just think he's at towards the end of his career. Tony Pollard, like he would, we had him on the franchise tag and I'm so glad did because to me, I don't really think he was, he played as well as I was hoping for this past season. Um, and I mean, he had a big season and he was coming off that injury. So I know that, that, that plays a role into it, but I just wasn't very impressed with what he brought week to week. Um, Stefan Gilmore, Jordan Lewis, like Jaron curse, like all those guys, like they're, they're good. I think we sh like, it would probably be good to sign at least one of them be just for depth again. Right. But but I don't think that we're really that hurt if we let them go because we still we still have uh, Trayvon and we still have uh, Bland. Though those guys are going to be our starters uh, out there. But like maybe bring a guy for depth if they are willing to sign us a, a team friendly deal. Like otherwise, like I don't really, I'm not I'm not really stressing on that. And then like. Jonathan Hankins, Neville Gallimore, Dante Fowler, like the D line, like mm -hmm. honestly, unless they're coming back really cheap, they weren't, they didn't really impress me that much this year. Like I know we were hearing a lot about the pass rush earlier in the year, but like that was when we were playing the New York Giants a couple of times. Like honestly, late in the year, I didn't really feel like our pass rush was that was that much of a big deal, um, and so, and maybe that was because they never called holding on Micah. But like it's definitely I would I'm okay with letting some of those guys go. Right. Okay. Well, I guess the big question then is since you know Tony Pollard really did kind of seem to let you down there, is Rico Dowdle? Is that the next man up? Is that somebody you go ahead and extend out a little bit just to see what he has in the tank? I would. I mean, I thought he he showed some flashes, and at the very least, like I, the way the NFL is the, nowadays, it's like it's pretty rare that you have that one back system and if you do like you just gotta know like the odds of him getting injured before the end of the year is pretty high this is this is football how fast these guys run how big they are like honestly like it just seems like against the laws of physics that there isn't an injury more often you have to have more than one back i thought he was i thought he was good as a running back to just give a change of pace even i think he's worth keeping i still would want to either draft a running back or see who we can sign in free agency uh saquon is even available but like, there are three big backs in free agency that i think you would be ridiculous as the cowboys organization not to even just shoot a shot just to see if you can yeah go for a star because yeah saquon being one number two of course derrick henry he doesn't know where he's going to end up for I was like, hey, I know he's an older back, but you can supplement that with these young backs that you want to try out and stuff like that. But again, let him bully them and just get somebody else out there fast. And then the third one, maybe not so popular of opinion, but I would definitely go and shoot a shot over for Josh Jacobs. 
I think he runs angry. I think if you give him the O-line that the Cowboys constantly have, I think that could be a really dangerous man. You know what? I really I really like that. I, I think, you know, I've always slept on Josh Jacobs. Like, I don't know why. I right. just, I've never, he's never someone who like I think of, but all he's done is like lead the re- league in rushing in like a couple of seasons <laughs> or something like that. Like I know he did at least once, but like, I mean, the dude, he just, he just is productive. Like he's, he's kind of like, he, he reminds me a little bit of like Frank Gore. It's like, you don't really like think about him, but like, he's always productive. It's yeah, like the, he, he the was perennial in, thousand yard rusher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like he's going to be like Frank Gore. It's like no one ever really thinks of him, but he's like still going to be there just freaking <laughs> grinding it out. <laughs> okay. And then um, I, I guess with the wide receivers, I mean, is there a change that you would make with the wide receiving core? Is, is that good as is? or? I mean, I think CD really like demonstrated that dude. Like he he's a top, top wide receiver this year. So to me, like we're good at the at, at number one. Um, and then – I really actually like Ferguson. Like I thought him coming on as a tight end was like, I like the attitude he brings. Like he actually like is a guy who you can tell has some fight in him and like he played well. And I don't know what the status is on cooks. Like, I think he's still on contract, but like, I think he's good. I think he's, he, he really came on the second half of the season. I thought to be like a pretty solid number two, um i i still my biggest thing with him is like as he's getting older like he's not a big wide receiver does he still have that breakaway speed you know and like as long as that's there as long as he has that ability to create separation in that way i think he's he's a good number two um and then like if we want to try and get another number three i don't think it's like that high of priority i guess like i think if we want to add some depth, cool. But I really do think, like, you know, we have a, a number one wide receiver and then, like, we have a decent number two. And if you get some depth, cool. I guess the last part of this, because, I mean, one of the free agents that's going to be coming out which is going to be T. Higgins. So, again, that's one of those guys that I was like, bro, just shoot your shot, see if you can at least convince him, hey, man, if it's team-friendly, we, we yeah. are in the, you know, playoff hunt nine times out of ten. Maybe you can help yeah. us push over the hump, you know? Just something, but mainly moving over to the defense, I think they need to draft young and big linebackers. I, I think that they just get tear up in the run defense, and I think trying this little hybrid defense to where it's just every time you're on the field, you are faster, but yet you're smaller. And when it comes down to teams that are the bully in the trenches, I think that's where the Cowboys really get eaten alive. So I would like to see someone fresh. I know we had, you know, uh, Van Der Esch, We've had Sean Lee. Like, you know, they were gritty guys. Don't get me wrong. Like, they served their job well. It's just, I think it's... When they were on the field. Exactly. But when they leave, it's a huge vacancy. It's just, we don't have depth there. We never had anybody else to slide into that role. So I think now, I, I, I would make that a top priority in the draft. I mean, that's just my personal feelings there. Because if you were to play Micah Parsons there, who could absolutely play there you're you're taking away your best weapon as far as coming down to a pass rush so i feel like okay go ahead and get somebody there and i mean hey you might need a year for them to really catch the speed of the nfl but i feel like if you were a very productive linebacker that saw high competition in college 
that's just something that's with you. It doesn't matter what level you're like, no, I'm going to run up into this gap and hit somebody. I definitely agree in that we need. So I would say we, we need to prioritize our, our run defense. And that, that was definitely our weakest uh, part of our team. And, and when you're getting run on, Oh, it's so demoralizing. It's so demoralizing to watch those games and you're just getting walked down the field and you know that they're going to run it. They know you're going to run in. There's like, don't, there's no respect there. So like got to build up the run. And like, so I, I would prefer to focus more on the defense, the interior line. Right. I think because like I, the like defensive tackles, um, just because they can also help with pass rush as well. Right. Whereas like the middle linebackers, I do think we need some because to your point, I mean, look at the look at the San Francisco middle linebackers. If I was like, a receiver, I would not want to run a route in the middle of the field. I'd be like, they're nah, nasty. You, and you and even up. before them, even before them, it was uh, it was like. Willis, right? Ooh. Patrick Willis and, yes. and the other dude that was like so scary. Like if they hit me, I know I would die. Like if they tackled me one time, I'm sure that I would just like my lungs would or like get punctured by my ribs. But anyway, um, like they have some mean middle linebackers. And like we you're right, we don't tend to put a lot of emphasis on that. I do think that I have maybe undervalued that because I'm always like you want you want a good line and good secondary. So like, who's gonna kind of be the like middle child, the the middle linebacker? Right. So like, they get they get ignored, right? But um, anyway, like yes, we need some linebacker. I I I definitely think we need some linebackers. We need some interior, mean, heavy defensive tackle. Well, because I was gonna say back to you when you were thinking like, okay, I want a a solid front four, and then I want my secondary. You know. That's um, oh geez, that's the D'Amico Ryan like strategy right there. That's what he he wants in his defense. That's what he loves in his defense. So that train of thought that is absolutely not wrong to have. I just think with the Cowboys, you've you've tried that and you've just haven't been successful with it. So I think okay, like go ahead and shore up that middle of the field, and go ahead and get some big thumpers that are just like okay, when we do this heavy seven box, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a struggle because you know. Like you were saying, it is demoralizing. You just see Aaron Jones, you know, who's past the prime of his career. Don't get me wrong, still an excellent running back, but he's past his prime. He he just made it seem like he was 20 years old again, just completely soaring. And I know he's a great running back, but I know he's not that good. It's just the Cowboys made him look fantastic that night. That's, that's a need. That's a need right now. But, oh, it was actually, um, it wasn't Alden Smith. It was Navarro Bowman. Oh, Navarro okay. Bowman. That guy was like, honestly, both those guys look so mean. Yeah, no, like, I think their linebackers is just, it's almost like the Steelers. Like, whenever you just face that defense, you just know, like, okay, whoever they selected, they're going to inherit the power from those before them and just continue the tradition of smacking people in the mouth. Mm. But, um, so changing tracks, but we're still going to be in the same division. Now we're going to be moving over to the Eagles. I mean, it's uh, almost the tale of two cities, but not really. They really just, completely fell off in the back half of the season. And in fact, I was a little uh, upset by that because I did make the drive out to Kansas City inside of Arrowhead. Like, okay, let's go ahead and see Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey do their thing. 
and then MVS completely just drops a wide open bomb. And there you go. You got the Eagles walking out and you have Sirianni taunting the fans. So one, I love the fact that he got humbled so quickly. Um, but go ahead and give me your analysis of what just happened to these Eagles. I mean, was this a Jalen Hurts problem? Was this an offensive coordinator? Was this a complete bust by the defense? I mean, what are we looking at here? Honestly, that that's great question. Um, I think that I think the whole first half of the season you could kind of see that there wasn't there's something wasn't quite right about the Eagles this year. Like they were they were playing close games with teams that you think they dominate, but they they were finding a way to win. And at that point in time, you you do look at at Hertz and you look at Kelsey and you look at Sirianni and this like, okay, we're gonna we you know we're gonna line up, we're gonna like run it down your throat, you know, kind of that brotherly shove personified you know it's just like that that was their mentality and they were doing it but then you know the second half of the season when they started playing some tougher teams that that had a little bit more uh um talent such as the cowboys like even the first time when we played them like we really should beat them i'm spitballing it to you because one, it's just like you were saying, you would watch them play these teams that the Cowboys would play and the Cowboys would pummel them. And then here come the Eagles and they're struggling. And, you know, they're just getting a dogfight, trying to get out of it. And now we're looking, we really have to reevaluate Jalen Hurts. But a lot of people pointed out that when Reich left that, that went the offense. They didn't have that same offensive coordinator. And they even had, uh, who was it, Matt Patricia? Matt Patricia again. So don't ask me what qualifies that guy to be making offensive play calls because I watched him with the Patriots the second time around, and I shit you not, it was screen left, screen right, and then we're going to do a draw up the middle just to catch him by surprise. Trust me, this will work every single time. And I watched enough of that. It made me sick to my stomach. And that's why I was like, okay, I'll give Mac Jones a little bit of a pass because, okay, how can you be successful in that kind of offense? But then, you know, this season I was like, he, he doesn't got it, like, just give me some Bailey Zappi and maybe they got a shot. But, you know, with that same thing, if, if you have no replacement for the offensive coordinator, if you're not running, like you were saying, the highly sophisticated scheme, well, you're going to get figured out. Now this quarterback that Jalen Hurts was able to perform under that scheme was fantastic. The RPO was extremely dangerous. And in fact, when he planted and threw the ball, you had to respect it. And with A.J. Brown and then the resurgence of Devontae Smith, it was it was dangerous. It worked. Oof, I'm probably getting too deep into this. But anyways, what it comes down to it is they didn't have anybody to replace the offensive coordinator. And with your offense not being able to dominate the time of possession, because that's 100% what the Eagles and the 49ers strategize to do. They just want to dominate the time of possession, score, or see two or three and out. That way their defense is always fresh, never looks bad. You never get too many looks at what they're doing defensively. And then when it finally came down to the fact we don't dominate the time of possession. In fact, we're not even dominating the trenches anymore. Now our defense is getting exposed. They are absolutely getting every shot that they want at us. And I feel like that kind of just pushed them over the edge. It was really just an importance of an offensive coordinator. Sirianni just didn't know how to put the pieces back together. Much like uh, who was the guy that the Cardinals had for a while that would start out hot. And then the back seven, he was always terrible. Uh, Kingsbury. There we go. Cliff Kingsbury. He's the guy. He's your front half of the season guy. Like if you would have switched coaches, 
after like game number eight, you would probably have been in the playoffs a lot more. But again, he would hit his seven win streak and he'd be like, I'm good. And then the back half was just a complete shit show. Eagles opted to keep their head coach as well. Do you think that was a good call or do you think they should have, you know, dip their hand in the pot and see what they could pull out? I think that's a tough one too. Um, I, I, I would say honestly, with the way that the season ended, I probably would have wanted him fired if I was an Eagles fan. When you're when you're Philadelphia as a franchise, right? I mean, you have to think about it. Like you had Andy Reid for a long time, oh, and he was great. He's a great coach. He's, he is a great coach, even in Kansas City. He's, I mean, look at him. He's winning championship on championship, right? Now he has Patrick Mahomes, so you know. But like at the same time, he's a good coach, and he was taking Philly far, but. They they let they moved on from him, right? And then and then they had uh, Chip Kelly for a little bit, I think, and that was not a good look. But then they had Peterson, right? Yes. They had Doug Peterson, and he takes him to a Super Bowl. He he wins a Super Bowl, right? Yes. And then and then like they let him go, right? They let they let that go. He just won him a Super Bowl, and then they hire Sirianni. And he just took you to a Super Bowl last year. You're going to fire him too? You've had three coaches, and like your last three coaching hires are just going to Super Bowls all the time. And you're letting them go. You're going to let this one go too? Like now you're just tempting fate. So, like, I think that they kind of like, I could see how you might want him fired. I think if I'm the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm kind of like, I can't fire this guy. Like, I have to give him a little more time. So, um, yeah. Now we were looking at the uh, guessing game here. So again, this was, uh, of course, this grid has already been filled out, but I, I'll go ahead and give you like your little best guesses of where you thought they would have ended up versus where they are now. But uh, the teams that we have on this list, of course, were the Chargers, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Titans, and finally the Panthers. All of them were searching for head coaches. All of them had open vacancies. So, I mean, just starting with the first one, I mean, who did you think the Chargers were going to pick if it wasn't Jim Harbaugh or was it always just Jim Harbaugh? I really thought it was just going to be Jim Harbaugh. I felt like they were the they were the team that was going to have their pick. And, I mean, I don't see how it couldn't or why it wouldn't be Jim Harbaugh. All he's done is win everywhere he goes, whether he's cheating or not. I don't know, but, like, he's winning. <laughs> so, like, like. To me, like, I, I would want him. Um, so I think that makes sense. Gotcha. All right. I mean, the only other person that I had, like, maybe in the conversation for this spot was going to be Bill Belichick. And that's just because on paper, that defense has so much talent. I just feel like the strategy wasn't there and they just needed a lot more discipline to go with it. I mean, personally, I think Staley should have been gone last year when he did that whole week 17 we're going to play our starters and then he lost one of his starting wide receivers right before the playoffs and a mean nothing game like at that point i would have walked on the tarmac and just said bro you got to go what are we doing but the only other reason there is just because belichick he's just that defensive genius that's what i'll give to him that's something i'll never take away from him but moving into our falcon spot then they did go ahead and decide on raheem morris was there a coach that you thought was like okay he's a shoe-in or a better fit yeah i thought i thought belichick was good um, you know, he, he went for the interview. There seemed to be a lot of like smoke from like ESPN and like uh, social media that 
hey, like, feel like it's likely the Falcons are going to look pretty hard at Belichick. And I just feel like, all right, they interviewed him. They interviewed him again. And so I thought he was probably going to go there. I didn't, I didn't really understand the big appeal, I guess. To me, like, for Belichick, the only reason why I think he'd want to keep coaching is because he's trying to, like, get the record for most wins. And I think the Falcons have talent for sure. And, I mean, their defense was solid this year. So, like, they got good defense. They have good offensive talent. They really just need a quarterback. And they have the eighth overall pick, so they're going to draft one. But, like, um, I don't know. I mean, you're still hoping that you get a good quarterback. Um, and Bye. so – and so, to me, I thought he'd want to go somewhere who did have a quarterback already. And so I know he'd, like, to your point, the Chargers. But, like, I I didn't understand why there was so many, maybe just because that's all you needed there. But to me, I still think that Belichick wants it now. Right. So, so with that, though, because especially being the Falcons, like you were saying, the defense was set. I love their run game there. I mean, they have three backs that were producing out there. You had Tyler Algier. Now you have the uh, new guy. Oh, what's his name? I already forgot his name. Bijan Robinson. All right, that's number two. And then number three, you had Cordero Patterson, who was the main running back out there. So it was just like <laughs> one, two, three. You had your, you already had your backfield lined up for you. Especially with the quarterback position now, is like that. That's a little tweak that you can just make and get somebody as a placeholder and go ahead and win you know, eight to 10 games out there. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to be floating and that's not a hard sell. Like, hey, come throw to our guys out here and we're going to get Bill for you. Like, we're going to go ahead and put a season together. Nobody's really dominating out here. It could be us, you know? Just little sells like that. I I really think they could have put a pitch together like that. Raheem Morris, um, I, I really don't see the appeal there, but I mean, I guess I'll be proven wrong when the season starts. I mean, yeah, and I don't know how much of this is just, like, guys who, like, after the fact are kind of trying to come out and be supportive of, of, of Raheem, but, like, people believe that he's got the knowledge to do it. I think his problem in Tampa Bay was that, you know, it didn't seem like he was able to really connect with the players very well there. Right, um, he was the head coach with the Buccaneers from 2009-2011. Yeah, so I think he just had problems connecting with the players there. Um, but he's got more coaching experience now. Um, and, like, I think he it, it it's a better for, like, a long-term fit, which I think is good for Atlanta to think because you can't assume, like, you're just going to have, like, a quarterback. Like, maybe they do get Kirk Cousins, but you still want to have, like, you have a young team. They could, yes, they could really good. run with it if they get that franchise quarterback. So I'm still wanting to draft a quarterback. Right. And I mean, I think I agree with your strategy completely. Like no matter where you're at, if you got your last three picks, you know, whether it's on day, what is it? Three or four, go ahead yeah. and just, you know, blindly stick your hand in there. You might walk away being a winner, but yeah, I just, it, it's all a crapshoot at that point in time. And then going back to where you're saying, it's just the great play callers of the game. He was with the Rams. So, I mean, that's, two years experience with Sean McVay. So I think they're hoping a little bit of that magic rubbed off. And, you know, that's something they could bring into their offenses, maybe bring into their workout rooms and more importantly, bring in more of that culture to where it's just like, look, this is how this guy prepares for a game day from the jump. You know, like as soon as draft day kicks off, we already know 
hey, we're at the field 6 a.m. sharp, and this is the first thing that we're working on. Because I know when it comes down to running a practice, you know, because you've been, I know you've been through enough practices where it was like, okay, maybe your freshman year wasn't the same coach as by the time you were there, you know, your senior year. To where mm. it's just one of our coaches, like the very first thing, obviously, is going through your stretches and your warmups. But then, you know, I had one coach that would go through and he'd be like, okay, before we even, you know, start throwing the ball or anything, these are the concepts that we're going through today. And he was like, today we're working on our play action passes. The guys that we're working up next are, hey, they are going to be a pass heavy kind of defense. So we're going to want this play action to work. Now, how you approach the ball, how you do your fakes, it needs to all read run. So it was like, making sure like ah, I could tell you were passing there, that kind of deal versus, you know, the second coach that would say, okay, well, uh, we're going to go to blood alley because we want to get the juices pumping. And I'm like, at the beginning of practice, and it was just, you know, that's just how some coaches did their stuff. So I know when you get somebody in that frame of mind that has been to Super Bowls, that have won Super Bowls, that is, has that championship mentality, they set the pace and the tone early on and it starts from practices and works forward. So, again, maybe that's a little bit of the appeal of the Raheem Morris, but, I mean, that's a lot to ask for. Looking at the Seahawks, that's one of the ones that is still wide open for grabs. I thought that would have been, you know, people kicking down the door gave me that spot. So, is it concerning that it has remained open this long? Do you think they're taking their time selecting the head coach? Is there a head coach that just screams at you that this could be Seahawks' next guy? I really think that they wanted Ben Johnson. I think they were holding out for Ben Johnson. Um, and from what I hear is that, like, they didn't want to, like, I guess pay what he was wanting as a head coach is what I thought that, like, I heard out there somewhere. So if they didn't get him because he decides that he's going to stay with Detroit instead, then I think now they're, like, they're kind of – left out because now some guys have already been hired you know but i really think that they thought they had a shot at him i um i think the commanders thought that too yeah and so and, and like the, uh, uh, commanders they were on their way for a second interview with him when he finally said no i am i'm staying with the lions so i think that both of those teams were really kind of hoping that he would choose one of them and then he like didn't choose either of them <laughs> and now and now they're kind of like in a tough spot. But, um, you know, right now I'm kind of, uh, you know, if I'm going to put someone there, I'm thinking maybe Dan Quinn actually goes over to Seattle. Um, I don't know if he coached his way out of it um, with the last game that he he put on, on tape. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some games in the second half of the season where I could see maybe uh, – I know Dan Quinn was a super hot name last year. I think, like, most of this season he was. And then just the way that that Cowboys D looked to close the year was a little rough. So um, I don't know if maybe some teams are kind of not wanting to, like, bring that in. But, I mean, he has history there. He was there when he was the defensive coordinator there with the Legion Boom. You know, and so like, and then he was over. He had that head coaching experience down in Atlanta. Um, so at least he has like he's someone who's like familiar with the area, who was there during a time when they were winning, 
and he has head coaching experience. He's been – I mean, his defense has still led the league in turnovers and points the last few years. That, so, that's very true. So, like, the thing about it is, like, I think uh, right now it makes sense to me. They interviewed him. Uh, I think even towards the end of the season, I was seeing some things on, like, Twitter and stuff about, like, he seemed to be, like, the favorite out there in Seattle. I, so, like, to me, I think that's very much in play. Um, and to be honest, like, I almost kind of want it to happen just to, like, kind of shake things up for Dallas. And I guess the only other, I guess, kind of fit there, because I know Seattle defense has been a bit of a struggle lately. And the same thing, it, it's almost very similar, because when you saw them square off against the Cowboys, it was just a shootout. One of those things was I never expected the shootout. I thought it was going to be a little 17-14 kind of grudge match because that's typically what it ends up being with teams like that. Mm-hmm. And it was it was defense, defense, defense that was non-existent. And they were soft in the middle. They shipped out Bobby Wagner the previous season. They tried and roll with some young blood. They weren't mm-hmm. getting it done, so then they bring back Bobby Wagner. And yeah, he can still fill his position, don't get me wrong, but he's just not as fast as he once was. But don't give me it, it still leads the team in tackles, but he's just not nearly as fast. So that's why I'm saying it was like you can try and take away from him, but that man still produces. I'm glad they brought him back home. But when you're into this draft, I think that's the next thing that they got to look for. And of course, changing the defensive scheme. So when it comes down to a head coach that I think, not a head coach, a defensive coordinator that has really strutted his stuff, I'm gonna have to say is Mike McDonald. I think he's got a nice little opening there to Seattle. I know if they bring back Quinn, it's like a nice little homecoming for everybody. But if you're going younger, if you're going different, if you're trying to, I don't know, fire up the team. Because, I mean, mind you, you're going from a Pete Carroll. So you're trying to go far away from that as possible. And Pete Carroll did so many amazing things for the Seahawks. Of course, he did the championship run. Not running it on the goal line was a little bit of an issue and probably shattered what could have been the next dynasty. But it's fine. I'm over it. But. He brought a lot of life and energy, okay? Like, for 72 years old, to see the way he bounces around the field and, yeah. you know, is chopping it up with everybody, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, a couple of negatives there were that is the worst two-minute drill that I've ever freaking seen on a football field. That made me sick every single time. Now, I know they had a couple of last-minute wins in the back half of the season, and I'm just like, okay, you guys got to stop doing it to me. Like, my heart can't take this anymore. But consistently, their timeout usage... Their two-minute drill would drive me insane. So the two front runners there, of course, were going to be the defensive coordinators, Quinn being the homecoming, McDonald being new fresh blood coming in, uh, moving more to a major catalytic change that might be changing the trajectory of a franchise that has come to terrorize the entire NFL. Jared Mayo and the Patriots, it, do you think this is going to be a kind of uh, D'Amico Ryan turnaround, or is this going to be, I don't know, a disaster what what do you think is going to be happening here with the Patriots this coming seasons? Uh, to be honest, I know that apparently they felt pretty confident in Jared Mayo. They supposedly read it, wrote it into his contract that he would be taking over as head coach uh, when Bill Belichick left. So, like, they knew that he was going to be the guy that they were looking at. Whoever's following up Bill Belichick is a tough task, kind of like following up Nick Saban. Whoever is going to have to do that, 
you're probably going to be there for a short amount of time because the expectations are just like they're way too high. Like you're coming from greatness and it's not just going to be greatness again. So, like, I think it's just an opportunity for him to show what he's got um, and then maybe maybe get uh, another opportunity somewhere else. But I just I don't know. We'll see. I guess it sounds like the bar is pretty low. But as far as a successful season for Jared Mayo, what what would that look like? Well, they don't have a quarterback when you don't have a quarterback. The successful season would be to try to find as close to that as you can get, at least make some progress. And I think that's the most important. Uh, thing for the Patriots this next year is to hope that they they strike on a good quarterback and that they start developing him. I don't think that they're going to win very many games. They're in a they're in a conference with uh, the Bills. They're in a conference with the Dolphins, who are getting hot. The Jets might have Rodgers. Like honestly, if I'm the Patriots, I I think this is going to be a rough time. So um, I, I think that the thing that they need to do is they just need to try to find that franchise quarterback, whoever it is, start building uh, around that. And that's like, that's where, that's where I would start. We're looking at the Raiders who have seemed to be in the bottom of the barrel consistently. Antonio Pierce was the guy that they need. Just looking at the way that he stepped into the role this season, I think the players absolutely embraced him. I don't think there was any kind of a gap, any kind of bridge that needed to be crossed. This is somebody that earned the respect of the players early on just as a positional coach, and everybody almost wanted him to be in that leadership role, especially when things were rough. So I don't feel like the team was all together and all bought into the head coach's program before Antonio Pierce stepped up. I mean, as far as this call goes, do you think, just sticking with the guy they're rallying around is the call or should they already have somebody on standby? I, I like it. I mean, I think you're, you're spot on, you know, uh, it's that, that team, that, that locker room really did uh, play for Antonio Pierce. He did speak to, he's a Raider. I mean, he, you know, from the get go, you could tell his first press conference, man. I mean, he's been a Raider. So um, to me, that just, that's the, a great fit. As far as uh, X's and O's, man, like he, they, they want some games. They, they were competitive. You're winning games with Aiden O'Connell. Like, come on now. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but respect um, O'Connell. I went back and looked in through. It wasn't even his highlight tapes that I was looking into. It was one of the wide receivers that was being like propped up as like the next Cooper Cup or some, you know, some mess like that. And I was like, but who's throwing these dimes right now? And then you okay. realize, oh, he got drafted to the Raiders. So that was one of the guys that I was just like, oh, man, he's going to get the next starting job. Whether Garoppolo gets injured, because I didn't think Garoppolo was going to make it through the whole season. But luckily, he just had a coach that said, nah, we're starting him because he's the best quarterback we got on the roster. And I was like, damn, poor Jimmy. They tossed him, but I, I well, like maybe, O'Connell's showing. May, yeah, maybe I'll sleep in. Maybe I'll sleep my in O'Connell, but to me, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would still be, I, I would still be looking for for a quarterback if I were if I were the Raiders. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, I think that's a good great fit for for out there in Vegas. I ho- I hope that he does well. You know, I I I wasn't a fan when he was you know sacking Romo uh, <laughs> as a New York Giant, but like I mean, I I respected Antonio Pierce. I did even even when he was on the Giants. I really like. 
Uh, I thought he played well, and like I'm, I'm hoping the best for him um, out there in Las Vegas. Um. Well, okay, moving into our next coaching spot that is completely wide open, we're talking about the Commanders. Now, this might be where you have to drastically overpay somebody to come and try and coach this franchise. I mean, is there a coach out there that you think that would take this spot? I I don't know. I mean, it's not appealing to me um, for sure. I always thought that it was the plan for Eric the Enemy to step up into that head coaching spot. I thought that part of the reason he left being the offensive coordinator in Kansas City um, to go to Washington and be the offensive coordinator, not like not a promotion there at all. Right? That's a non, I don't even know if you can call that a lateral move because you're going from a, a great team to a bad one. So like, but I thought that that happened with the understanding that he might be eligible for that head coaching position should it become available. And so to me, <clears throat> I thought that they like, you know, I know they were going after Ben Johnson as well, um, but I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like a desirable location if they can't get. And now they're, they've they already let some of the top head coaching head coaches already get hired somewhere. To me, it kind of makes sense to maybe go ahead and, and, and just ride with the enemy. They should go after a Mike McDonald's. I think Mike McDonald right now, like, is probably – top remaining guy who hasn't really like found a place um in my opinion so i think i think you were you're pretty pretty spot on with the seahawks wanting to go after him if the commanders can't get anybody convince anyone to go there i feel like it's probably going to be the enemy it's a tough spot to be in the commanders i know there's always going to be some young buck that we're overlooking here because i know there's tons of offensive coordinators around the league defensive coordinators that are just like, you know what, even if it's like the worst scenario ever, I just want to know to myself, if I gave myself that shot, you know, I could fill in and I could be a head coach. Even if you have like a 500 season, you could at least say, hey, maybe it wasn't for me, but I gave it the shot. I know Juan Rivera was done there because this was like the fourth or third season that he put together that wasn't so hot. If anything, it's going to be a spot that maybe Vrabel will take versus sitting out a season. But pushing into the next team, of course, was the Titans. Brian Callahan from the yeah. the Titans selection. It's one of those guys to where it's just, what are we expecting from him? What is his successful season looking like? Because I know you're coming in. You get Tannehill's on the mend. You had, um, golly, what's his name? I forget his name. Will Levis. The guy from Liberty. Yeah, Well, the guy Will from Levis. Liberty, too. Oh, and Malik. But, yeah, in Kentucky. And Levis. Yeah, so it's just you've got all three of those guys sitting there. They've each played some snaps at quarterback. You're saying goodbye to Derrick Henry. They shipped off A.J. Brown before that. I mean, this is one of those things where, yeah, you're going to really have to, I don't know, just start the rebuild, do some deep diving. I'm not sure, but again, uh, what is going to be a successful season for Brian Callahan? I think he must really see something there in that quarterback room. Uh because I don't know why he would want to leave uh, Cincinnati to go there. Maybe I mean, like you can say you can say the money like is good, but like to to me, I think it's going to be a tough situation. To your point, like you're kind of starting over a little bit here. Um, you don't really know if this is like if you have the quarterback. They did draft Levis, but to me, 
it says that he must believe in Levis um, because I I think that uh, for this next year, I mean, you're in a you're in a division right where you got you got Jacksonville uh, with Lawrence and like Lawrence has been up and down. You got Stroud coming on. You got uh, Richardson even in Indy was looking good before he went down. And then even, um, uh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, the guy who stepped in for Richardson and like got Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, dude. Minshew. Like even he was like playing well there. So like I think the Titans, like that's going to be, it's going to be a competitive division. Um, because I don't think anyone like really runs away with it, but to me, I still think they're the bottom, you know, they're the bottom of that. Um, unless Will Levis is like, is like it. And so to me, if I'm Brian Callahan, you're, you got all these young quarterbacks. I'm saying like, to if he's going to be like a successful season to me is like, I got to get Will Levis on the same level as a Stroud, as a Richardson, as a Lawrence, because, like, you have to develop that quarterback because it, it's just a bunch of young guys. Stroud's looking amazing, but, like, it's one year. So we got to see it again. And, like, and then Richardson, too, is, like, looking good, but that was that was even smaller size. Lawrence has been around for a while, and, I mean, like, he hasn't really impressed. So it's just like, to me, Brian Callahan, got to get, got to get, show me something with Will Levis. And to me, he must see something there because he chose to go there. I think Man. he could have chose other places. Gotcha. And I mean, I kind of just did like a little Googling here for the Titans. I think one of the benefits to being a new head coach and also being able to go into a scenario like this, just trying to pull a positive out of a situation that seems already like over with is that now there really is no expectations and you're not already dealing with players that are stuck in their ways or anything like that. Now there really is no superstar on that team. You can go ahead and draft your team. You can play your team. You can bring in your own scheme. And in fact, in the front office, I think they appointed a new GM too because I'm pretty sure it's whoever decided to let go of A.J. Brown. They probably sliced that guy a long time ago. But I think just looking at the small glimmer of hope here, it's just this is a fresh start for everybody. This is where, like, okay, if we really do feel the team, we get to call it our team. It wasn't something that you inherited halfway broken. Yeah, I think I think it really does. We have to wait and see what they do, what kind of moves they make this offseason. But that's a great point. It's like you, you are – uh, maybe working with a little bit more of a blank slate. Um, but that's, yeah. And so, but you just drafted these quarterbacks. So you got to, you got to hope one of them hits and you got to build, you need to start building around them, like getting a running back, getting some wide receiver help, you know? And, uh, and I mean, their defense is usually all right, but like I need to go back and look at it. Um, and so, yeah, man, like you, but it is a place that you can, it is a, it is a very much a fresh start. I just feel like in this league, it tends to be like people is like, what have you done for me lately? If you're not winning, we're going to move on. So like how long can, you still can't be bad, you know? So if I'm Brian, if I'm Brian Callahan, I'm trying to win some games. 
uh, I better know what to do with Will Levis. Well, I guess moving into the last team here, it was the Panthers. They did announce Dave Canales is their guy. Now, was there anybody else that you thought the Panthers should have like snagged while he was out there or just, hey, maybe we give Canales a shot. Maybe he's been in the trenches a while. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, there's there's one guy um that I thought might be a good uh good fit. A guy that I I thought the might be a good fit over there is the Dolphins offensive coordinator, uh Frank Smith. So like the reason I think he might be a good offensive coordinator out there or like a head coach out there is just cuz like he's worked with Tua and I feel like Tua and Bryce Young as far as their builds, they're kind of smaller quarterbacks, smaller NFL quarterbacks. They got some mobility, um, but their arms really aren't that strong either, I don't think. Um, and so, like, but what they're doing out there or down there in Miami with Tua, now granted they have Tyreek, right, who, who's essentially a cheat code. Yeah. Um, and then and then they have Waddle, too, who's like a speedster. But, like, that's – that. like, if you just need speed, like, Tyreek is not just speed. I'm not trying to say that, but, like, um, but like a big part of his threat is his speed. And so like you see what they're doing in Miami with Tua. And I really think that like Bryce Young could be like Tua and Tua is like he's he's winning games, he's putting up numbers, you know, like and they're moving the ball, they're scoring. So like um I think that you could have that with Bryce and you really screwed yourselves over as the Panthers when you traded that that first round pick and then y'all to the to the Bears and now y'all are stuck with Bryce and it's like y'all were terrible. And it'd be really nice to have that like number one, two over I think it's number one, right? Number one overall pick. You don't even have it. And so like um so you're you're have Bryce. I think that Frank Smith, I know he's not calling the plays down there, but that's why I think it would have been good for him. Like he, he might've wanted to leave because he's like not calling the plays, you know, uh, uh, Mike McDaniels calls the plays, but Frank Smith's still the OC, you know? And I just think if you're someone from that Shanahan tree, that's, that's some good knowledge there. You, you learn some, some good stuff. So I would have looked at him again. I just, I have nothing. I don't know what to say about, uh, about Mr. Canales. So he's my cousin too. Yeah, there we go. But anyways, yeah, the only thing about Canales that uh, I guess really shot out to me now was he's the sole Latino or Latinx coach in the league now. It was Juan Rivera. He was carrying that flag for us, okay? And they asked Geno Smith about this. They asked him about the diversity of hires in 2024 because I believe they added four African-American coaches. And his response was like, it's 2024. Why are we talking about race? And I was like, to a point, I was like, okay, I can agree with you. But it mm -hmm. dug a little bit under my skin when it's just like, hey, that's easy to say when you see someone like you being represented now. It's just like our, our big players, I mean, the closest we got are like a Tony Gonzalez and then an Aaron Hernandez before, you know, his off-field antics. So finally seeing another guy get his shot, I I'm going to beat Team Canales. Like, I hope he's able to bring together, you know, like a nice clean slate. Maybe he's able to get a couple of wins, but really, I just want him to be able to walk out there and strut his stuff. I mean, you could go 0-17, and, 
But hey, if you can get that to score 32 points a game and it's your defense that's letting you down, cool, man. Like now we've got something. But as far as that goes, David Canales, Mexican American, I'm just like, booyah. But looking at his resume here, he was the Seattle Seahawks guy for a while. So he was the wide receiver coach for seven years. Then he was a quarterback coach for a year. Then he was the passing game coordinator for a year and then went back to the quarterbacks coach for a year. Then that's when he finally went to Tampa Bay for the offensive coordinator job. And then now he's getting his shot as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So one, a little shocking that Seattle didn't reach back out to him knowing that he was looking for his shot, knowing that that was one of our guys that we've had in our system for a while. And then second of all, it's just, okay, yeah, now he's finally getting his shot. Let's see how much he learned in that time. Again, he was under Pete Carroll for almost a decade. Again, when you're talking about learning from the uh, coaching trees, I mean, I'm not exactly sure if you could even call that a coaching tree because I'm not sure who all has been underneath Pete Carroll. But hey, maybe this will be the first seed that's planted and continues to grow. But that's all that I can hope for him. But that's why I'm like rooting hard for Canales. You know, and and now that you say that, you kind of break down his like coaching history a little bit. You know, hey, he was with Russell Wilson, you know, and he and he saw him develop. And that's an undersized mobile quarterback right there. Like that's a that's that's ideally like you're hoping you're praying if you're a Carolina fan that you can get something even close to what Russell Wilson was out in Seattle when he was winning games and taking them to Super Bowls. But even even last even this year in Tampa Bay, who's his quarterback? Baker Mayfield. Is Baker Mayfield a huge dude? No. Now, Baker Mayfield, I will say, he's got a freaking cannon. Like, he can put the ball downfield. So, like, I will say that. But, um, again, he's used to he's used to having and working with these undersized mobile quarterbacks um, who play outside the pocket. And I think that's what they're trying to – That's they. he must have sold them. He must have sold Carolina. Like, hey, I can, I can turn Bryce Young into an NFL starting quarterback. And I will say, I think Bryce, you know, he had a terrible year. He's in a terrible situation. So before we start writing Bryce Young off, you know, it didn't look good, but Dave Canales is there and he's going to fix him up, you know. So very true, go. very true. And I think it's very important to address situations, especially when you're being dropped in as a rookie. And uh, I mean, a lot of that is going to be going into coaching and scheme and most importantly the players around you because I think a big key difference between him and CJ Stroud not taking anything away from CJ Stroud because what he did was absolutely amazing it's just if you looked at the offseason that the Texans had when bringing in a D'Amico Ryan now D'Amico Ryan of course was the defensive genius when the 49ers were rolling hot and I mean we saw Steve Wilkes he's struggling right now to even fill that role that, that's how good D'Amico had those guys rolling. When he came in here, he had that faith. He had that belief, setting the culture. Then you're going to go ahead and, like, Damian Pierce, I thought he was still going to be the main star in the backfield. But no, they bring in Singletary. Singletary decides to sing it up. Like, tear it up. Tears up the scene. Then you look at Tank Dell. They bring in Tank Dell, this small slot receiver that just went crazy. Shame that he didn't get to make his, like, playoff run known because I really think... I. Things would have ended differently if he was on the field. Then we go into Nico Collins stepping up, filling the role. And then, of course, Dalton Schultz. I know you got to love 
a lot of love for oh, the yeah. guy. Oh, well, yeah. I love Dolan Schultz. So there we go. It's just they gave him – it may not have been the best supporting cast, but they gave him a supporting cast. They were guys that were like, we know they can play this position. They can play it well. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I just want to say that was just D'Amico Ryan showing his expertise. Because having the Texans start playing shutdown defense like that when it mattered was, I don't know. I don't know what the winning formula was there, but it was absolutely beautiful to watch. They they got my attention now. That's something I'm going to go back and really dissect every part of their games and see how it changed from the previous year to when D'Amico finally came in. But looking, like you just said, Bryce Young, he didn't have any of that. Didn't even have a Christian McCaffrey to go ahead and give him that little buffer. Just absolutely. I still will never get over the fact that the San Francisco 49ers just got Christian McCaffrey for right. like, They're like, you need a little help. Here you go. Let's just sprinkle a little bit on just like, like man. Yes. So yeah, you're right. Um, oh, uh, shout out Jalen Petrie on that, on that Houston defense safety, Baylor bear. He's just holding it down <laughs> on that. Uh, oh my go. goodness. Yeah. And then, okay. So just transitioning since we're already on the quarterback train here, looking at the past, drafts here and the success that ah, these successful picks i mean i mean we're talking mahomes herbert burrow purdy lawrence tua hurts and now cj stroud is is there kind of like they're ruining the develop a quarterback philosophy and now they're put on a really fast clock to produce it or or does letting them develop still hold some water because ones that were let able to develop were your Jordan Love and Dak Prescott is that is it still 50-50 battle here or is it more no we're dropping it in and we're now expecting to see results personally i'm starting to buy into into more of the the sit and develop but um you know i think it's i think it's always kind of been like you drop them in and you hope that they work out i think teams don't they don't like to be patient and I think there's a bigger, there's been more of a of a philosophy where you go ahead and you play them, you let them take his lumps, and then you let them just see see what the difference, the speed of the game is like. Now, sometimes I break some guys, but like you know, I mean, uh, it's it's possible. But I think I'm like I think if you want to be, if you want to stop it always being a crap shoot. It's kind of like what we talked about earlier. Look at what, look at what uh, green Bay is doing. Like, I don't see how you can look at the sit and, and develop philosophy and, and not kind of think, Hey, maybe this has some weight to it because like, I mean, uh, you go from, from far to Rogers to love now. And then if you could do that, like Purdy and Brady are, they wouldn't have had their shot. If, if a guy didn't go down, you know, they weren't like thrown in. They weren't like first selected. And same thing as Dak. Like Dak wasn't selected to just straight up replace Romo immediately. Romo was playing well and he got hurt. And then Dak came in and we were winning. And so it's like there, there's not like a lot of examples of a guy necessarily sitting and waiting. But I don't think that teams really do. it. I think the Packers have kind of been the team that's mostly done that. And we'll we'll see what what happens like if more teams start to try. But 
uh, I think teams, they don't like to wait. They, they want to win now. And they just, they, they throw them out there and they're like, you're going to figure it out. And if you don't figure out, we're just going to keep throwing people out there until someone does. Man, that is a brutal reality to be in. And I don't know, is, is there like a quarterback that comes to mind that thinks like, man, they, they really could have been something in this league if they just had the right scenario to drop in on. I think Mike Vick, like honestly was just a little bit before his time. Oof. I think, I think like he was starting like this time with the Eagles, I think was really like starting like he had that like did, did he win an MVP there? I thought he like either won an MVP or he was like in the running for an MVP when he was there with the Eagles, and I really do feel like that was like if he would have had his window start from then on, like I think that it just would have been crazy so like maybe not a different team i guess that's more different era but i feel bad for like uh oh, like never sure. really got got the got the championship i feel like he probably could have on a different team for a long time i thought manning but then he did leave and then like i mean this is just more from the heart than anything but like i wanted romo to win one so like if he could have gone to a contender that actually like um i always felt like romo was like the guy who like it's like you were in a group project with someone and like they did everything. Like they were, they did the like present like the, the PowerPoint and they, they made all the transitions and all that. And then they're like going up and then all they have to do is do like the closing paragraph. Cause they like wrote up the script for everyone else and it's their turn to just did everything. You just got to do the closing paragraph and then they fuck up on the closing paragraph in front of everybody. You know, it's like, they he got you all the way there except to like the very last bit, but it's because you asked so much of him. It's because he had to do it all. And it's like, but he couldn't just close it up. But anyways, wow, I, I really like that one. <laughs> I <didn't laughs> just save that. I was like, okay, the guy that did the PowerPoint himself. Um, the one guy that always comes to my mind, and it was like I got a lot of love for this guy. It was Matthew Stafford. Like, if you were to just drop him in, I mean over half of the other franchises, I think he could have lit up the world even more than he already did. Yeah. And he's, he got, he at least got that one. Yes. You know? So that's great. So that's a great one. Um, I would say like, I think Philip Rivers probably could have got some, I'm not that big of a Philip Rivers fan. So I'm really not that upset that he didn't get one, but like, I think he was talented enough to have gotten more, um, Absolutely. I did a like deep dive into uh Philip Rivers. Shout out to Nico. He was the one that was like wanting to know that. But there was, I believe, six seasons in a row where he had a top ten defense and a top ten offense. And he was just naval never able to break through into the playoffs. Now, granted, he ran into the undefeated Patriots team. He ran into the steel curtain of the Steelers, like very unfortunate teams that he ran into. But if you were gonna be somebody, he had several opportunities to do it. And then there was a season where he had the top defense and top offense, and it just still didn't happen. So, again, like definitely had enough talent to get it done. It's just when it finally came time, it just it never it never. I guess came. you're right. I guess you're right. Maybe that's a him thing, because like he he had his opportunities. So maybe he was he it wasn't the team. With the Super Bowl coming around. How are we feeling? Do we think it's the Chiefs or do we think the 49ers another amazing comeback win? Um, well, I think 
And I think the Chiefs are going to do it. And maybe I'm saying that because I just desperately want them to do it. I do not want to see the 49ers win a Super Bowl. I hate the 49ers <laughs> so much. I do not want to see Brock Purdy lifting up the Lombardi Trophy. I don't, I feel like Brock Purdy is going to be my Eli Manning of this next generation. Ooh. Where it's just like, I, I just don't think he's... He's like, I think it's, you know, as a circumstance, but um, I am a Brock Purdy hater. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm hoping for the Chiefs. I think that they're talented enough to do it. I think that the Niners have had really close calls against the Lions, against the Packers. Like, th- they were on the ropes on both of those games, really. Like, they came back and they, they, they came back in the second half. Now, it's kind of funny because you look at Kansas City, and Kansas City is a first-half team. Their offense, they score all their points in the first half. I think you like you look up what their offense scores in the second half for the season, and it's like I don't think it's more than 10. I'm pretty sure it's less than 10 points in the second half for the season. It's insane. Like, they don't score in the second half, but their defense – is is really slept on there or maybe it's not but like maybe i just slept on it because i didn't think it was going to be good enough to get them to this point um knowing that their offense has not been what it has been in the past but like their defense is mean dude legarius sneed that's that guy is shut down locked down on the outside corner so like um i think that if you know, this this Kansas City Chiefs team has been through a gauntlet to get there. Um, and they're and they've seen it, they're tested, they've got the best quarterback, they've got a good defense, they got great defense. Uh, you know, Kelsey can't can't lose in front of Taylor Swift, man. The NFL will not let it happen. All right, it is part of the script. They wrote it out. We saw it before they released it, before the season started. They knew. I would have never guessed, but it's gonna be it's gonna be Taylor Swift, Kelsey Mahomes, center, you know, midfield, lifting up that Lombardi Trophy. That's where it's gonna be. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't really have a dog in this fight. The only reason that you know, I either way, we're gonna see history, right? We're gonna see. Mahomes just solidify being one of the greatest of all time. He's going to keep down the uh, chase for Brady's rings. He's going to keep that alive. Now, if Purdy pulls this off, we're going to see a zero go to hero. And then we're going to see Christian McCaffrey, the most deserving running back, finally claim a ring. So I I feel like there's not really a lose situation here as far as a winner being dictated. But I can definitely catch the vibe of... Okay, it's just uh, being in the best circumstance that you could have ever been in when it comes to being Purdy. But I still think, no matter the scenario, you could have dropped, you know, so many other quarterbacks in there. In fact, they, you know, dropped Trey Lance in there. Sam Darnold had a little bit of, like, you know, time under there. And none of them have just clicked. They, they didn't make it happen. So... You're right, and and I'm just I'm dying on this. I'm I'm dying on this Brock Purdy um, hate island mm-hmm. um, or hill. Um, but 
part of the reason is because, again, being a Baylor Bear fan, I watched him at Iowa State. Yeah. And I just was never really impressed there. Like, he was always uh, uh, preseason, um, like, honors, like, guy to watch, um, all Big 12. But at the end of the year, like, he had a he, – he did have one really good season where I, he was playing for a Big 12 championship. But the rest of them, I just felt like he didn't really – he didn't really seem like he was – because I remember watching Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech and thinking, yeah. this guy's insane. Like, his defense would give up 80 points. That's why they wouldn't win. But I would think Pat Mahomes was insane. I didn't think he was – I thought it was system. I didn't think he was going to be the best quarterback ever, like, for sure. But, like, uh, when I watched Purdy, I just wasn't impressed. He gets drafted uh, into San Francisco's and all and all he does is win. Yeah. That's all he's doing. That's all he's doing is winning. And I'm like, this can't be Brock Purdy, Iowa State Brock Purdy. And I guess that's uh, going more into this, okay, can Brock Purdy be the zero to hero? Because maybe he's not the exact same guy that he was in college. But it, it's all going to have to be left out on the field. This is something that we're going to be looking forward to. Hopefully it's a great Super Bowl matchup again. I know the last time it was a 24-10 to 10 game at halftime. Chiefs come back and they dominate. But like you're saying, if the Chiefs are not a comeback, team this year then maybe the 49ers can hang around on the ropes just long enough for the Chiefs to do their damage in the first half and then the 49ers to come back and dominate like they had in the past two games but that's just a lot of opinion we're running out of time a big shout out to Nate for being on this episode hopefully the first of many appearances thank you for tuning in and don't forget to follow and share